0: Wedgeworth Leadership Podcast. My name is Kevin Kent, and I'm excited to be joined by once again two Class 11 members for this episode, Juan David castro and Courtney Davis. Traditionally, we've asked class members to contribute to a blog post or a newsletter article in which we include in the Wedgeworth Wire. But with so much to unpack with each seminar, we've continued our discussion and reflection through a podcast to share our experiences with everyone, whether you're in the field or on the road. In this episode, we reflect on Strawn Seminar 10, our most recent seminar in Central Florida. Before we start a reflection, let's get to know Courtney and Juan David. Courtney, let's start with you. Introduce yourself and tell us about your involvement in agriculture and natural resources.
1: Um, my name is courtney davis and i am proud to be a sixth generation floridian um, come from a farming family up in north florida i currently live in okeechobee and i'm the proud mother of two amazing little children clayton and avery and um, I currently i work for gowan vegetable seeds selling vegetable seeds um, it's a great job i love it because i get to go see all these farmers and see all the amazing things they're doing and um, I get to hang out on farms still. So it's, it's a very blessing. Um, I'm still very involved in a lot of ag organizations such as Florida Farm Bureau, try to do as much as I can with them and the Florida Watermelon Association and um, one of the founding members of our Okeechobee Ag Ventures. So always trying to constantly tell the positive story of agriculture and do what I can for ag.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Courtney. Juan David, let's hear from you. Introduce yourself and tell us your involvement in agriculture and natural resources. Uh,
2: My my name is Juan David uh, Castro Anzola. Uh, I live in Orlando, Florida, and I have been working for PGM Agricultural Investments since 2006. Uh, I currently work in our equity investment divisions as an investment vice president. Uh, PGM Agricultural Investments is a company that invests uh, capital, uh, for institutional investors in farmland. And we also provide strategic oversight and direct management for those agricultural properties. And also we have another line of business where we provide long-term capital and financing to agribusinesses uh, throughout the US.
0: Awesome, thank you. Well, we're going to get started with our reflection of our most recent seminar in central Florida. Um, We started off in the Plant City Dover area um, and then went into uh, Lakeland and spent a lot of time in um, Polk County and ended up uh, in the seminar there in Hardy County with a couple of stops there on that final day. We saw a lot and we heard from a a very diverse group of speakers there. it's all some really cool things. Uh, So I'm anxious uh, to hear what you guys have to say and hear what you've taken away um, from the seminar. So Courtney, let's start with you. What was uh, your uh, first big takeaway from the seminar?
1: Well, we were all excited because we got to see a Florida celebrity. Um, We got to really hang out with um, Sheriff Grady Judd and he's kind of known as like a gunslinger and like people look at him from other States and like, wow, what is this guy talking about? But, it was a very surprising thing because the way that he started his speech was um, he said to lead people you have to love them you have to know them and you have to love them and for me that was a big takeaway because i was like wow you know he really got to talk about how he gets to know all of his employees from the top to the bottom and that makes it a better way to lead and he said that um, one of his biggest mistakes was when he didn't communicate properly So between love and communication, that's what's made him such a good leader. And that was really, really impressive to me. I wasn't expecting that, but I was very pleased with what he had to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I've only ever uh, seen uh, Sheriff uh, Judd there in like some type of press conference um, on the news or something, (laughs) usually about something he said, right, or the tone he used. And so... uh, the message that he shared that day was completely unexpected but in a good way like it was it was he was so inspiring um and just you know just a a really good person and had a really good message to share and you could tell that he really um you know cared about people he cared about Mm -hmm. the people that work for him um just really inspiring it was it was just unexpected i think because i had only ever seen him in a press conference situation Juan David, what was what was one of your big takeaways? Um,
2: I think I want to stay with what uh, Corney mentioned. I think um, this part of the conversation with Sheriff Judge was very very powerful. I think one of the the other main points that he mentioned, in addition to love the people that you lead, is that you gotta you have to care for the people that is, is around your organization you know, the importance to, to listen, to understand, and also to practice your principles. You just don't have to see those principles written down. If you don't practice them, they're worthless. And you have to practice those principles with the people that you have when you're leading an organization and also in your community. And I, and, and I think another point that he mentioned is that when you truly care for people, you form such a strong relationship and mutual loyalty that organizations uh, thrive. So, uh, you know, I think this part of the seminar was very powerful to hear from somebody that is not in the agricultural sector, bring different perspectives from a leadership standpoint.
0: Absolutely. I, you know, it's it's easy for a company, an organization to, uh, you know, put their principles or values in the employee handbook. Um and that's all you ever see of them, right? Or on a wall uh, going into the organization, um, and that's kind of the only time that you interact with them. But to to hear him talk about uh, how he's able, how he lives though by those principles and encourages um, those principles in his organization, and it's a very complicated organization to do that in too. It's yeah. you know, there's I, I liked his remarks about you know nobody really wants to interact with any of the, you know, any of the sheriffs when they're getting pulled over anything, but they, they, you know, customer service is a really big deal uh, to them and being able to respect everybody, uh, just in a very complicated organization like that. So uh, if he could do it, uh, I think it's, it was inspiring to, um, for some of us to hear that to be able to also do that within our own organizations or groups or, or businesses. Courtney, let's go back to you. Uh, what was another uh, big takeaway for you?
1: Um, well, we started, like you said, in Plant City. And so, of course, we got to see some strawberry growers. Um, we got to see two different farming operations. One where um, they were farming in an upright substrate growing conditions. And the other one was more of a conventional farming strawberry operation. But their innovative the thing that they had was an automated planner or picker. And so, I mean... We didn't get to see it in person, but we got to see a video and the two ideas were completely different, but both of them were very confident that that was the future of Florida Strawberry. So um, it was just an interesting thing. And I mean, that's, like I said, I I get to work with a lot of farmers. And I think one of my favorite things is that I get to go see all these people who are essentially doing the same thing, but very different ways. And that was a true testament of this because um, both of them had amazing operations and we got to see and you know we got to do a strawberry picking contest where you know I kind of had my team picked out because I had Marshall Sewell because he had a lot of experience and we did win so you know but um, it was fun to see it and to see it in action and talk to these people and hear their dreams about the future of strawberries and agriculture and how they knew they were going to make it and how they wanted to be around and how they're doing everything they can to make sure that their future generations will be able to stay in agriculture like they are.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I left the first uh, stop there convinced that that was definitely the, the future <laughs> and the only future for strawberries. And then we, uh, you know, went to wish and saw the, the, the innovation that they had there in terms of the the picker and i left there thinking that was the, going to be the future of, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> uh, of florida strawberries uh they had both had convinced me and it was mm-hmm. it, like you said though it was really really cool uh, to see different directions um and and them both be successful in the paths that they're choosing there so it was really cool to see kind of the 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 differences that they that they bring to the table regardless of the direction I think there's a bright future uh, for yes. uh, Florida strawberries and I'm very curious to see kind of w- e- how each story kind of plays out
1: yeah definitely
0: uh, Juan David uh, how did how were your strawberry picking seals
2: um unfortunately I did not do very very well <laughs> uh, I think I focused more on eating them. But it was a very interesting experience. I think this part of the seminar, what I was most impressed about was the continuous innovation that you see in an industry that, you know, is relatively small uh, when you compare it to other industries. You know, we grow maybe 10,000 acres uh, in this plant city area, but uh, I think visiting Driscoll's, uh and this new system of growing uh, berries um, under the tunnels was uh, very intriguing uh, and also uh, particular because they're trying to figure it out and look ahead of what this industry could look like in the future. So they're trying to, to find new systems so they can increase yields uh, on a per linear, linear feed with high quality product. They wanna be able to reduce water usage uh, for the long term, reduce the use of chemicals and waste and also make it easier to harvest uh, the fruit because, you know, in, I think when you look at the, 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 the pool of labor that, that we, we have or we will have in the future, it will be much smaller than, than what it is today. So, you know, I think they're trying to innovate, try to maintain better control of their cost uh, structure. And you know, that really shows the importance of innovation uh, through the use of technologies and how this has become a, a key driver in the agricultural sector for the long-term uh, viability. And also, uh, Wish Farms was also very interesting because we, we heard uh, from the founder um, and, the, and the family members uh, all the things that they're doing from an innovation standpoint, like the new pineapple berries, which is a new variety that they're trying to, to to build a marketing program uh, for retailers. We so uh, we we heard about the automated harvester that Courtney mentioned, and also we we had the opportunity to see how a lot of these growers are looking into ways to, to to gain efficiencies and also to add other products to to their business. So we were able to see some added value products using fruit that may not be sellable in the fresh market, but it could have other uses. So, you know, it was encouraging to see the type of level of uh, innovation and, you know, new things that this industry is doing um, to continue growing it.
0: It, I find it, I always find it encouraging and um, just really exciting to be able to, to hear uh, from the individuals like we did, kind of look ahead and and um, almost think years down the road uh, and, and be able to, you know, prepare innovations now to address forecasting the issues that are going to either expand or become even more of an issue like labor or just look different, you know, in several years. I really appreciate hearing from individuals that can forecast um, and, and think ahead, uh, it, you know, it's, it's refreshing, um, um, but also encouraging that somebody is thinking ahead. And, and I just, I, I, I really appreciate those conversations. I'd love to like, sit down and, and talk to them more just to think about how did they get to that point? Um, and, you know, thinking ahead like that, and what strategies do they use to do that? Because I think it's really important. Um, What were your thoughts on the Pineberry? I think there were mixed reviews around the room when we started tasting them. What did you guys think?
1: I really liked them. I am a big pineapple person, and so it's supposed to be a little bit of pineapple. And um, I I like, I really enjoyed them. I I like the look of them because they're different. And so I like to expose other people to different types of things like that. So um, I actually saw some in the grocery store this week, and I bought some because I was like, I got to have them. You know, whether or not the rest of my family likes them, I'm going to support them because I think it's a really cool innovation that came from the University of Florida and the partnership that they have with the Florida Strawberry Growers Association. And um, I think it's awesome.
2: Yeah, I think they, it, was, um, it was a very tasty piece of fruit, even though it doesn't look uh, <laughs> as appealing as a really nice red one. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it has a great presentation and uh, and i think it's a novelty that you know you can create a niche market. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. It i i could definitely taste a little bit of pineapple in it, um uh, which w- which was really cool. The texture of it was uh, actually pretty good for me. I didn't mind it being a little um thicker like more firmer than a strawberry was. It was it was pretty good, so uh, I haven't seen any in our public's yet up here, but I'm I'm on the lookout. Uh, Courtney, let's go back to you. Uh, let's hear another big takeaway on one of our next stops.
1: Um, so we also got to hear um, a local ag leaders roundtable, and, um, we got to hear from Kenneth Parker, who's the director of Florida Strawberry Growers Association, um, uh, Reed Fishbachman, who's a realtor in the area and Dennis Carlton, senior and junior who are local ranchers. And, um, one of the reoccurring themes that we constantly hear at Wedgeworth is, you know, telling our story. And so Dennis Carlton senior made it, some good points. And he said, you know, if you don't show up, somebody else will, and they're most likely going to be talking against you. And, um, you know, I mean, that's one of the things is being a part of Wedgeworth definitely makes you think, man, I got to do something more. What else can I be doing? And so, I mean, I think that's one of the things is, you know, tell our story and, figuring out ways that we can promote agriculture in a more positive way. Cause it takes us all the way to the end of our trip where we were at Mosaic and Mosaic has a hard, hard job of always constantly fighting the uphill battle for a positive theme. And, um, I think it's, it was really interesting listening to them. Another thing that one of them said was, um, don't pick a fight on everything, just pick the important topics to fight. So whenever you do show up, they know that you're really serious. And for me, that really spoke to me because I am involved in a lot of these organizations where we go and we lobby and we're talking to a lot of people in the public and and we got to do a better job of really telling our story all the time and telling the positives and telling how we're feeding America in a sustainable, affordable way. And so I really enjoyed hearing that. It got me really good and pumped up.
0: Yeah, it was... We've definitely heard that message a lot, um, but I don't know if we could hear it enough. It's so important, and I think now more than ever, uh, because there's so much noise, um, we can tell our story. But we have to make sure that in this noisy world that we're that we live in, with social media and all this um, yeah. <laughs> user-generated content from you know people posting their own videos on things, uh, we just we got to make sure that. Not only our story is being told, but it's said in the right way to the right people, at the and that's uh, overwhelming. But it's definitely doable, and it's it's important. We've got it. We've got to figure it out there. So I agree. That was something uh, really exciting uh, to hear from them. And I think there's some really good examples, um, like the Strawberry Gores, who would do a great job uh, of, of telling uh, this the story of agriculture. And, and so we just have to build on what we've done a really good job of, and and make sure that we're doing our part. One, David, let's go back to you. Um, I think two other speakers
2: that were part of this program were uh, Floria Senate, uh, uh, Wilton Simpson, and also Representative Lawrence McClure. And um, you know, I think they. They mentioned the same points that uh, Corney just alluded to a few minutes ago. Uh, the agricultural industry is an underrepresented sector, and it is important to be involved and bring a voice to the table if we want to have a viable ag industry. Uh, we have to tell and repeat the story of the agricultural sector and, and also the importance for those that don't uh, yet understand it. Uh, I think there is... A lot of information that is very misleading, uh, but I don't think a lot of people realize all the hard work that a lot of the growers in this state uh, have to do day after day, 365 days a year to bring high quality, healthy, tasty, and safe products uh, to our community. So it is important to, uh, to get involved with a lot of different organizations uh, and to be able to support the industry uh, all together
0: yeah absolutely um it's so important that we step up um, in the into positions where we can we can have an impact um, have some influence um, and um, it's you know those opportunities are the opportunities we need to take advantage share our story. And so we were really grateful to hear from from them and kind of hear their perspective. Um, and you know they get it. They understand um, um, agriculture and natural resources, and it's exciting that they're uh, they're part of that. So uh, Courtney, let's let's go back to you.
1: Um so while we were in Lake Wells, we got to visit with um, some of the citrus growers as well. We got to see um, the citrus under a protective cover project, which was really interesting. Um, I, I actually had a greenhouse background, so I kind of know a little bit about growing under some kind of protected um, cover, and it was, it was really interesting to see how they have modified. I mean, not only are they now putting a netting over the entire grove, not just the little ones over the individual trees, but the entire grove had a protective thick net on it, so it could try to keep out bugs um, to protect against greening they had to search out new varieties that would work because inside of it it is a little bit warmer temperature and so just thinking ahead like that and then we got to have a panel and listen to some of those guys and and just um how much greening has devastated our citrus industry has been really crazy because that's Well, I mean, everybody thinks of our Florida orange industry and what a big industry it is. And it's slowly slipping away from us because of the different things that are brought in from other countries and we can't control them now. So um, it was really thought provoking as far as that, because it's it's an industry that's slipping away from us very quickly and we got to find solutions for it. And it sounds like just like with the strawberry growers, they're looking for ways to make sure that they can keep that industry alive
0: right uh, you know I think from a strawberry perspective when we saw the different approaches to um producing strawberries it was very much on a proactive um a way of doing that whereas on um, when we got to citrus it was reactive and it was mm-hmm. it was sad really to to know that uh of Florida's history in the citrus industry and to, and to know that we're at that point now where we've, we have to find solutions now, or, you know, there's not going to be a future in that industry. And that's, and that's really sad knowing, um, the history, um, and that's what Florida is known for. So, um, but, it was neat to see, uh, you know, opportunities. Um, you know, we're exploring all opportunities. You know, it seems like everybody's all in in terms of uh, research, and you know, we have some of the best working on it. So, it was, uh, it was good to hear that, that that was the case. Absolutely. Juan David, back to you.
2: Um, You know, I I think the the conversation about citrus was uh, very interesting. And I think the main takeaway is that uh, we see that citrus growers continue to be very resilient and committed to to this industry. And, uh, you know, it is surprising because they have endured a lot of issues over the years. They have endured greening. They have endured uh, hurricanes, reduction in consumption, uh, canker. And uh, you know it's it's encouraging to see that they keep uh, uh, fighting to maintain this industry viable, and it's one of the largest uh, industries in in, a, um, in the state. And uh, you know, greening is a very difficult uh, has been a very difficult um, thing to deal with, and uh, you know for. For a lot of people that don't know, greening is a bacterial disease which is transmitted by an insect uh, or a scale. And when the it feeds off the tree, it infects it with a with a bacterial pathogen, and uh, that spreads throughout the vascular system uh, of the tree. And what it does is that it blocks the flow of nutrients, uh, eventually impacting the the ability of the tree to to produce fruit. Uh, and the fruit that could be harvested is of poor quality for a processor. And uh, that has been creating a lot of, um, and, and we're almost all, uh, two decades uh, dealing with this uh, type of issue without any, any solution. So, you know, it, it's encouraging to see um, different growers trying these uh, uh, COPs, System to try to figure out ways to to be able to mitigate a lot of those uh, issues that we we could continue having if we don't uh, have any changes in, in terms of having a tree that is tolerant to to greening and things like that. And you know the the citrus industry is shifting very rapidly. You know this this current year we we may have only 45 million boxes of fruit. Uh, early in the 2000s, we were at uh, almost 250 million boxes, so if, you know we're only 20% of what we produced, you know, er, uh, in the early 2000s, and it's almost the same amount of boxes that we're, we we produced in the 1940s. So 80 80 years ago, you know, we're uh, at a very small type of, of production, and you know that creates challenges for a lot of growers. And, uh, but it's good to see that there are groups out there trying to innovate and, and find new ways to to keep this industry viable.
0: Yeah, and it was also uh, nice to hear from the folks at Florida natural Florida's natural and they're you know they're being creative on the processing side to do what they can with the producers that are still around um, and are able to produce and it was it was really cool to hear, Some of the creative things that they're doing on their end, particularly in terms of marketing and and, uh, new types of products there. It was it was nice to hear that they were doing some stuff there to do what they can with with what they've got. Courtney, we'll go back to you for um, your next to last takeaway.
1: Okay. Um, So something that I really enjoyed, and I wasn't sure that I was going to enjoy it as much, but um, when we got to go to the Bog Tower Gardens, I have never been there. Um, One thing that I I really have enjoyed with a lot of our sessions is that um, we get to do some type of cultural type stuff, and I am an art nerd, so I love all that. And we happened to just be walking around and ran into David Price, and he gave us kind of a little private tour and gave us a lot of background on like how it was started and why it was started and where it started and how it is morphed into what it is today. And um, it was just a really impressive story about a man who just loved the area and wanted to preserve it. And so um, I think we did convince him to try to put some cracker cattle in there. Jay Riles and I were really, really pushing on how he should have some of that, because that would be also a good agriculture enterprise for him. But um, it was really fun. And then we also got to have an alumni reception. So we got to connect with some of the past alumni. And that's always a good time to, because everyone wants to know what we're doing and how we're enjoying it. And, um, you know, we're class 11. So we have two number ones because we're so good. And not to mention that the program um, has just kept us an extra year. So we got to tell everybody about everything we're doing and they were really, really impressed. And it was a good time.
0: Yeah. The place has such a cool story and it's a phenomenal place. It was, um, I, I, that was my first time there too. I'd never been, I'd heard about it. Um, but it just, it was such a, a cool place and a lot of, of thought and, uh, went into designing that space and, um, it's just so cool to see the community kind of get around that and take advantage of that. And the, the things that they offered there with the outdoor kitchen and that kind of yeah. stuff. It was really,
1: huge too. I never realized how big it was. I just really kind of thought it was just the tower. Right. But the gardens were expansive. I mean, it was quite a walk around it. Right. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. And I, I, that was, that was a great evening too, being able to, um, to have dinner there and invite the alumni and uh, get to interact with them. Mm-hmm. So that was a really cool night. Juan David, what was your uh, next takeaway?
2: Uh, I think my next takeaway is something that is uh, not related to agriculture, but is very important uh, in leadership. And uh, we had the, the opportunity to talk about crucial conversations. Uh, part of the program included uh, a discussion led by Christy Chiarelli, uh, the director of Wedgeworth and related to the topic of crucial conversations. And in this portion of this program, we learn about what is a crucial conversation and how do we handle them. Um, This is something that we face on a daily basis, uh, in many occasions on a personal and professional levels. And one of the things that uh, was very interesting to me is that uh, there are three things that we can do about crucial conversations. Either we can avoid them and maybe suffer the consequences, which can be severe. Uh, We can face them and handle them poorly or we can face them and handle them well and i think this is a skill that is very important uh, to be an effective leader uh, how do we approach a topic with respect uh, what is the tone that we're using in a conversation how do we how do we engage with, in a healthy dialogue and how do we also handle uh, our emotions and i think we can apply a lot of this when we're telling our story in the agricultural sector, so I think that was part of this seminar. Um I just end up with a with a phrase that Christy mentioned about is that you got don't follow your heart, just lead your heart when you have these type of crucial conversations.
0: Yeah, you know, after that session, I. I think we all started thinking about how many crucial conversations do we have in, in a week, even, you know, uh, thinking back to whether it's at home, whether it's at work, and the number of, of crucial conversations that you've had or that you need to have that maybe you have been avoiding. Um, and, but to, to hear kind of the strategy of how to approach that those conversations and I think that was really cool and to see and you're right it is an extremely important skill set to develop because we we do have to have so many crucial conversations because a lot of times if uh, you know if we're uh, in a you know, business organization type thing where we're uh, managing people or leading change or, you know, whatever it is, the the conversations uh, quickly become crucial um, to the success of the organization or um, the goals that you're trying to achieve. So uh, really cool um, uh, message and and takeaway um, from Christy there. Courtney, let's go. Let's go to you for your final takeaway.
1: Um, so our final, my final takeaway was kind of like one of the final places that we got to go to, which was Hardy Fresh, which um, I've driven past it a hundred times and I never even knew it was there. So it's kind of like tucked away and kind of hidden. Um, Tyler Jacoby is the chief agronomist, which I've worked with him in my past life on different things. And um, so it was good to see him. And Clint Honeycutt is a general manager and they gave us this tour of this amazing facility where they're growing a lot of lettuce and so it's kind of cool. They too are doing some innovative stuff. Um, it's an organic operation for leafy greens and they're trying to branch out and find other ways to do it. And it was just amazing that, you know, and that was one of my questions. How did you think to do this? You know, where did you get the idea? Because, and they're like, you know, it's just one of those things where we started talking and it just morphed and rolled into something different. And we finally got to this and now they're looking to expand um, to other areas as well. And so that's really cool that it's doing well, profitable, and um, it's very sustainable because they are able to produce and, you know, roll over more um, heads of lettuce than a conventional operation would be able to. And nobody even knows it's there. So like I said, hardly any kind of any markings or anything from the outside. And to get inside of that warehouse, you're like, wow, this is unbelievable. And um, it was really, really interesting
0: yeah, when we first walked through the door to go in, I, I mean, it was just incredible um, to mm-hmm. see the scale and the magnitude of you know what they were producing there. And to think like, who would have ever thought this all of this would have been in this in this building, right? I had really had no expectations uh, when we yeah. pulled up and parked of what we were about to see. Um, but to see what they're doing at the scale um, and their approach uh, was was fascinating. Um, and to know that they're expanding and, and trying that it was it was really cool to see what they were doing and what they were uh, providing to the community too. like they were, yes, you know, being able to talk to some of the employees there and the jobs that they were able to offer um, to recent grads or, um, mm-hmm. you know, that you know to the community there that was that was really cool for me
1: and and one of the things that he mentioned was um that they were looking in areas that needed jobs so whenever they were looking to expand for a new warehouse that they were looking for areas that were um you know smaller areas that needed a new job source and everything so i thought that was really really cool too i was like oh that's a great idea like so they're doing something good for all communities that they move into
0: right Juan David let's go to you for your final takeaway.
2: Um, I, I think uh, Hardy fresh was also very interesting and, and I think our group was very fortunate to tour one of the I think one of the first vertical organic farm o- operations in, in the state and you know I think this concept is taking a front seat in, in the produce industry and, because it's got so many uh, advantages uh, you know the company is growing. Uh, with precision systems to control water, nutrition usage, reduce waste, uh, from a food safety, which has become pivotal in today's produce industry, is absolutely unique, uh, uh, especially with some of the recalls that growers have had to experience over the years, uh, especially in the lettuce industry. And, you know, they're growing healthy, tasty products for customers that continue to worry about health. Uh, and also uh, sustainability has become a, a key factor in doing business today and you know they're definitely um in the front seat again uh, in this type of business um in, in everything that they're doing plus the the amount of technology that they're trying how do they, you know this is not perfect but they're they keep evolving and uh trying to find new ways to make it better and more efficient uh, so it's very unique to see this uh, this business uh, in operation, and I'm glad that they're expanding as well. They mentioned they will be going to another states, uh, so I think we we look forward to to listening to to their story uh, in the future. So
0: there were there was definitely a lot of risk involved um, with that yeah. operation, and it's definitely paid off for them. But I also think about the um, the the additional impacts it has had on the industry, and if there wasn't a technology that they needed, a technology had to be developed, or maybe it was a you know a combination of a couple different technologies coming together, and now that new technology is available for other growers or other situations in in the industry there. So you know not only the, the- you know of, of their business, but the impact of their needs have created new opportunities um, um, for the industry. So, really, really cool. Uh, a lot of great stops. We saw a lot of different things, and I think that was um, always one of the exciting things about a Wedgwood seminar is the diversity in people, thoughts, and um, places that we get to go to and see. A special thanks to Courtney and Juan David for reflecting on us today and sharing their experiences from the Central Florida Seminar. Up next, we're headed to Miami and Homestead for our South Florida Seminar. We look forward to sharing those experiences with you as well.